Right, another episode of Talking Heads. I hope you enjoyed the the previous one. I'll be talking to um, uh, Mark again, uh, not Mark, uh, Kurt again uh, in the not too distant future, plus a friend of his as well, uh, who will join us and we'll probably do a three-way thing. Kind of changing tack slightly on uh, the podcast this time out. It's not music. Oh, that's kind of... Well, we'll soon find out. Uh, and, and we're going uh, acting, actors, thespian and all the rest of it. And a local lad... Uh, from Waterford, which is uh, where this podcast is based. Um, some of you may or may not have heard of him. Certainly, if you're from Waterford, you will, will have done further fields. Well, the plan would be to be uh, to be known worldwide eventually, and that's Tony Kelly. Tony, uh, nice to have you in on the podcast. And um, uh, we're we're actually in in indoors at the moment because it's too hot to record this outside, uh, which is a rare day in in, in Ireland. But um, uh, sunny days are something that you're not averse to. You've you've travelled quite a bit, LA and New York and all the rest. Yeah, I have, Roddy. Uh, I mean, it's one well, definitely not used to having it here in, in Waterford. So I think me and you are a little bit overwhelmed, and, and we yeah. don't know what to do with ourselves here. But yeah, I um I lived in New York for a number of years. I, I went to college there, studied screenwriting at the New York Film Academy, uh, and that's where I kind of started my whole writing, acting, and, and stand up comedy mm. route. What what got you down that route in the first place of of comedy acting and all of that was was it something that was there when you were very young? Not necessarily when I was very young. No, I was more into sports and stuff when I was young. But there was always this little part of me that I liked making up stories and you know even even in primary school like when it, when it came to write an essay and it can be about anything you want. I always mm. found that very exciting. Uh, and then when I got into secondary school. I'd always been a really, really good student in primary school. I found it too easy almost, you know, like I, I really just was like, it was it was too easy for me and I kind of got lost from that when I got to secondary school and yeah. I kind of got, I think I kind of got a little bit swamped and didn't quite know where I was going to land for a couple of years when I was there. <clears throat> and uh, again, that kind of brought out more creativity in me because I was at home and... Uh, the, I discovered the internet for the first time, and I'm a big I'm a big professional wrestling fan, which mm. is my was my secret shame. Now it's kind of my public shame. <laughs> and um, there was an online kind of a community that used to do kind of like an online version of it, where you'd create a character and you'd have to write for this character, and it was a wrestling based. I guess like a role playing game okay. would be the way it would be described nowadays. Yeah. And I, I made this character and wrote as him and really just started veering towards comedy because I always adored comedy, like sitcom, stand-up, anything I could mm. ever get my hands on. As a kid, I would always watch. So I just kind of started veering towards that. And from there, the creative writing end of me just started, I suppose, blossoming. Then I did Transition Year and we did a drama class, which we'd never been offered in De La Salle College in Waterford before we did, we did drama. Yeah, that would have been relatively... Sort of, uh, you know, for the rich kids, I yeah. always thought back in those days, the arts and drama and all that kind of thing. So it would have been quite unique for you at the time. Absolutely, because I mean, again, the wrestling was, was a secret shame, but also so was the creativity for me. Because I was a, I played soccer and all that kind of stuff, and I was, you know. So Did you find it hard amongst your friends to say you were creative? You I, I, I mean? would never have admitted that or, or yeah. let them know. I started playing guitar when I was 14 or 15, maybe. And then that kind of allowed me to become more creative publicly. Mm. Like I'm learning the guitar now, or I might write a song, 
you know, which I'm not able to do, by the way. But you know, when you're learning, you think you can do yeah, anything yeah, you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Go you know, have a number one straight away. Like, of course, Jesus, of course. <laughs> if, geez, if anyone hears this, I'll be famous. But uh, yeah, so then when the drama classes started in De La Salle, it was only like one class a week or whatever it was. But I remember they kind of tasked us with writing a radio play. Mm. And whoever's one was the best judged by the teacher, we'd actually record. And I, I wrote one. And it won. And, and we recorded that. And from there, I think all the lads kind of understood, oh, well, this is something he does now. And I kind of never really looked back. I always knew now that this is something that I want to do. Yeah. I, I, and especially because I wrote it, I did a, a lot of the voices. Yeah. And it was a kind of a comedy. So I was like, well... And at the time, um, South Park was huge. Yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. And they were doing movies as well as South Park... I was going, well, these guys are writing their own material. They're starring in their own material. They're comedians. And I was like, well, this this is something I really... And I remember I was 15, I think, when I discovered that this was a possibility, that you could just create this work for yourself. And you didn't just have to be one thing. You didn't have to be a writer. You didn't just have to be an actor. You didn't just have to be a comedian. And I just kind of... it was that The seed was planted then. And a couple of years later when I was out of school because I did query my career guidance teacher about what could I possibly do and I say you're, I suppose you're kind of limited in this country as well aren't you as well you, you, you probably wouldn't been, you probably wouldn't get the breaks you should get mm. or what I'm trying to say that you know that you have to leave the country I suppose I, I assume you're coming on to that but yeah. what, what was you talking about the teacher so like I, 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 it's probably better now I don't know there's probably more resources now, mm. now to train but I remember asking my career guidance teacher who we didn't, I didn't really get on with I said, uh, you know, this. I'd love to, you know, maybe write or, you know, do acting or something like that. And he said, you, you're too much of a gowler for that. And I said, but that, that's... For anybody listening abroad, <laughs> a gowler's a messer. Yeah. But I said, that's the point. I want to be a professional gowler. I want to be a professional messer. I don't want to have a proper job. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And he said, get the fuck... He didn't want the nine to five. No, but he told me to get the fuck out of his office. That's true. Really? Told me to get out. Yeah, so... I get, What's he doing now as a career guidance teacher? Is he probably on the door or uh, something? No, well, he's probably retired now, but uh, <laughs> he was a very... Just a particularly nasty man. Like, my name is... I go by Tony Kelly because that's what I was... I'm named after my granduncle, yeah. Tony, who died when he was younger. My, my great-grandmother, when my mother was pregnant, said just went to her and said, if you have a boy, would you mind naming him Tony? And she said, absolutely. And when they went to christen me, the, the priest wouldn't allow them to christen me Tony because Tony's not a saint... So they had to christen me Anthony to be known as Tony. Tony. That was what was said on the altar. Right? So my legal name is Anthony Kelly. Yeah. But I've never, ever yeah. been called it by anybody. But that career guidance teacher in particular insisted on calling me Anthony. Anthony. I would tell him all the time, yeah. but he would always do it. He's just doing it to get you going. Exactly. Being nasty. Yeah, he's a prick. Like, Sorry, I probably should, <laughs> I should have asked you to swear on this podcast. Bill, they, no. Yeah, sorry, apologies. <laughs> yeah, that's quite all right. Um... That's the comedian in me coming out, I think, pushing the buttons. But after that, then, I uh, I, I wanted to go to America straight away when I left school. Yeah. I was 17 when I, when I well, left. Why particularly America? Why not UK, say? I don't know. I've always had this affinity. My grandmother is 85 now, and she always tells this story. And I don't remember this, but she said I was about six or seven, and she was babysitting for me. And she said I came up to her, and I said to her, Do you know, Nanny, I'm going to live in America when I grow up? Hmm. And I, I don't know why. I've always just, just felt... there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. So I um, I wanted to go to San Francisco because it turned out we had a distant relative. My grandfather did our family tree and he learned that there was these relatives over in San Francisco and he went over to the... He'd on the doorstep. Oh, yeah. 
Guess what? I'm your cousin. Yeah, but they were all like, oh my God, we're related. you got to come visit. But he actually did come visit yeah. with, with my grandmother. And they went to San Francisco, San Jose, all that kind of stuff. But they, you know, remained friends with the um, with those those people. And it turned out that, the, I suppose he'd be a distant cousin of ours, was working as a screenwriter. Now, he ended up having a very successful show on, t- on American TV years afterwards. It's still very successful. But he... Was he'd written a couple of straight TV movies, some movies for Disney and stuff like that, and I knew obviously that that was there. There was the connection. So, but they also had like a, some sort of a business, and they were like, if he ever wants to come over for the summer and work and see what it's like. So I was like, I'm doing that absolutely. But I was 17. But well, you're very lucky though to have that connection in the first place. Well, I didn't take it. That's oh, what I'm getting right. to. Okay, sorry, My mother yeah. was so upset at the thought of her 17 year old son going off to. Well, San you Francisco. can understand that, I suppose. I, at the time, I didn't understand, but yeah, she's yeah. of course now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so she said to me look I said I, I don't want to go to college there's nothing in college for me I don't want to she said look for me give it one year try college and see just if, if it's for you just just at least be 18 before yeah. you go off and do yeah. something yeah. so I said okay so I went to WIT I was studying a business course which is what everyone does when they don't know what they want to do and I was just floundering I was going out I was getting involved in the social scene and yeah. Um, no just, direction. No, and I wasn't going to classes. I was hungover, and I was, you know, I was eighteen. And then you were a bold boy. I, I, well, hey, listen, that was only the start. Of it. <laughs> but I, I remember we did a class called communications, and you had to give speeches in it. And that was the only class I turned up to the exam for, because I just loved the idea of being able to talk to people. Mm. And then I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I can merge creativity with business. Maybe I can write ads for the telly. Maybe mm. I can write ads. For, and that was something I looked at. Mm. But it was always drawing me back to this creativity, this cr- this creation, this being able to write and voice or, or act in your own work. Like, even if, even if it was just tied to business. But I just, it still wasn't, you know, there was, not, there was no real route for that. And it really wasn't kind of appetizing me, especially if I was only going to one exam and it was a speaking exam. So I remember one day, we were constantly leaving. We weren't going, like, we have class now and all the lads from De La Salle, I hung around with where they are and we were like, well, will we go to class or will we go play pool? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this kind of stuff. So I remember one of, them, one of the lads, Matthew Barden, who I, I'd been in school with my whole life and had remained friends with, he said, you know, do you want to go with my house? We'll watch a few DVDs. It's a nice day. Mm. And I went, ah, yeah. You know, I didn't take that much of an arm twist. And he said, you have to watch this show called The Office, Ricky Gervais's show. And uh, it had been the two seasons had aired at this stage. It was two thousand and three. Mm. I remember saying to man, "Oh, that, your man annoys me." And he goes, "But you've never watched it." And I said, "No, but typical me, your man annoys me because of the way he looks." You know? Yeah, much I'd be the same way. <laughs> well, but from Waterford, Roddy, that's what yeah. we do. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, "No, this is your humor. This is like I'm telling you, give it one, give it one episode a shot." Mm. So we went out, and he took he stuck on the DVDs, and uh, I, I I just was blown away buy this show I, I just remember thinking this is genius this is just mm. I've never seen anything like this at all but this is this is my type of humour this is and I, I was genuinely so inspired that I went why am I in college this is what I want to do with my life what what these guys are doing mm. is what I want to do so I dropped out of college and that's um, what I was going to say how does a guy from Waterford end up eventually getting out of the country and going to you know be, mm-hmm. was it from watching Richie, Ricky Gervais or that you, you knew you had to leave the city yeah I knew I had to I knew 
by then that there was nothing for me here mm. to do to get to that point. Yeah. Um, I suppose much. Sorry to cut across you. I suppose much could be said. Mo Dunford. Yeah, Mo. Yeah. People like that from the. They're probably their stories could be quite similar to yours. Well, that, that the opportunities weren't here. Well, Mo Mo got his opportunities here. Mm. He, as far as I know, uh, I've only met Mo once or twice. Um, I, I know him to say hello to him and stuff, but. Uh, as far as I know, he studied with Terry McMahon in mm. the acting classes in Dublin, mm. which in 2003 wasn't a thing. But that's what I mean. I'd love to see the day where, where this city would be able to nurture people sure. like yourself uh, a lot yeah. better than... I'm not saying that they're not at the moment, yeah. but even whoever would be uh, looking after people like yourself or, or, or coaching you, you still have to make that leap to Dublin, yeah, to London, in Dublin, yeah. to New York, whatever. Yeah, it would be amazing, of course, in, in Waterford. But of course, at the, like... I can't even describe how different the world was in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Like, I couldn't look up, well, I probably could have, but IMDB, like we have now, you can go, you can find out about anything and find out where they came from, where did they get this yeah, show. Yeah. That wasn't really there. So I knew I knew there was nothing here, but I knew to get somewhere abroad I needed money. Mm. So uh, I got a job selling cars in Waterford um, with, the, with the idea that someday I'd have enough money to go and do something that I wanted to do. I was only 18. I knew I had a bit of time. Mm. I continued the writing at home and doing what I was, you know, writing the little sketches and the little short stories and stuff like that. Continued doing that. And I remember trying to enroll in a couple of little screenwriting courses in Cork and stuff like that. And I remember in particular enrolling in one. I think they had it in UCC. It was like an evening course for for Mm. mature students. And I enrolled. I paid my money. And I remember saying to my mother, right, this could get me off. This could get me a little start to go where I actually want to go. Mm. And it got cancelled the week before it started. Oh, God. And I remember thinking, I'm just not supposed to do this. Yeah. And um, then I just kept getting the itch to go. I tried to go to Canada when I was 19 and it just didn't happen for me. Why Canada? Um, I think it was just because I just needed to go somewhere. Yeah. It was close enough to America. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go. There was a little opportunity there for me to go over and, and kind of pal up with some people that I knew and... Just get, it was only going to be for three months, but it would get me out. I was, mm. I was selling cars. I had no interest. I was miserable. Getting over, yeah. I was so miserable. I was, look, I was, I was in my early 20s. I was in a relationship I was miserable in, which, you know, looking back was the, well, a huge regret. Mm. And, and for someone so young to be so miserable all the time was, was not good. No, no, no. And it took, me, it took me years to come back from working in a job I hated and being in a relationship that I hated. And it took me so many years to get past that. But, it, but the other thing I will say is that fueled the initial creative run I went on when I did go to New York. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I, I just didn't know what to do. Everything kept getting kind of belly up on me. And then that relationship finally ended that I just mentioned. Mm. And I went, this is my chance. This is my chance to get out of here. I looked up the money I'd been had in the bank. I'd been selling cars for about four and a half years. The boom was still on. Mm. So I wor- worked all the way through the boom when people had loads of money here. Mm. So I'd, I'd done quite well. And I said, you know what? I think I can go and do this now. I discovered this this film school in New York via Google months or maybe a couple of year, year and a half before it that I kept my eye on. Mm. If I could get to there, you know, if if you know, I could I could somehow get off work or have a break from the relationship or something. I could go there and I could I could have my start. But now there was nothing. Mm. The job was there, but I hated it. Mm. So I applied, and I got in. And I went, right, well, now there's nothing stopping me. So I, I, I said to my parents, you know, I was 23 at the time, but still, you know, I said, you know, what would you think about me doing this? And my dad was my boss. Now, he didn't own the garage, but he was he was, he was my boss, yeah. well, one of my bosses. Yeah. And he, I remember him saying to me, 
you getting out of this job would make me happier than even me getting out of this job. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I said, right, well, I mean, if I have the support of my parents and I have enough money, why why wouldn't I go? Mm. So I, again, I got I got accepted and I, I gave my boss my notice and I, I went. It must have been uh, quite daunting for a 23-year-old to arrive into New York and, you know, you hear all these, I mean, they, if anybody's been to New York, it, it's, I won't say it's a scary place, but it's a bloody daunting place. Yeah. Even as a tourist. So somebody at, at that age going in there, going into an unknown and going into a, a country that has produced so many amazing film, TV stars and all the rest. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you well, it's, on it's, that first day? It's funny because I always talk about this now being 33, 10 years later. Uh, everyone was saying to me that because I, I moved right into the new year it was like the 4th of January or something but all that Christmas I was seeing family and you know all that kind of stuff and everyone kept saying to me you're so brave so you're buoyed up yeah, yeah. but everyone was saying you're so brave and I didn't understand why because I was 23 and full of gusto yeah. now looking back I don't know how I did it <laughs> but you're so brave you're so brave sure, I, yeah course, but I was like yeah. why am I why, of, course, of course I'm doing this yeah. until the first day I got there <laughs> and I remember my friends came with me for a holiday and to kind of see me off. Three of my friends came with me. Well, two of my friends and, and one of their girlfriends. She was a friend at the time. But I remember being there with one of the lads uh, at the top of 97 and third, where my dorm was that I lived in. I remember the sun was just coming down. It was the first day we got there. I bought a pillow and a quilt. And then I remember thinking, okay, now this is very real. And I remember looking down at the skyscrapers from 97, looking south down towards the middle of Manhattan and seeing the sun kind of just coming down and touching the tops of these buildings and how huge it was mm. and I kind of just went I felt a bit overwhelmed we walked back to the dorm and I've never thought about this Roddy actually after until you just said that my friend Johnny went into the dorm and I had one second I have a phone call I didn't have a phone call I went out to the fire escape and I sat down and I started crying because yeah. I was just overwhelmed oh, yeah, now yeah. that's that's funny that's a suppressed memory that I, that I only yeah. just remember there now I'll charge you later. Yeah. Take <laughs> like a little session on the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember that now that I was just so overwhelmed. But then I remember gathering myself and saying, well, this is what you want and this yeah. is what you've always wanted. You've got to do it. And now you've got it. Yeah. So that was it. I didn't look back. I never thought about it again after that night. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. And I remember then the lads were there for a week and I was due to start college the day after they left. And I remember being in Times Square after saying goodbye to them, put them in the taxi and I walked into Times Square and I went, oh, wow, I'm on my own. Yeah. But then I went, oh, wow, I'm on my own. Yeah. And I took a breath, and that was it. I was there then. Yeah. So what was the first day? Okay, the lads are gone. You're, um, that's the dog. I'm His nails on the floor here. Um, did you have a contact? I know you were going to the college, all right, but you had no friends outside no. of the guys who had now just gone yeah. home. So what happened then? Just I knew nobody in New York. Yeah. I knew nobody. And again, looking back now, it's mental. I mean, it's a big city. It's bad enough in Waterford or Dublin, but New yeah. York. I knew, I didn't know one person that lived in New York. Now, now all my friends are New York people. Like, mm. Well, not that I don't have friends here. That's yeah, a horrible yeah. thing to say. <laughs> but like, I have a whole social group yeah, yeah. in New York. Yeah. And it's massive, like the amount of people I know there. Did you go? Did you do like a lot of Irish people do? Did you go seeking out other Irish people? No, I, no. that was purposely something that I don't do. Even now, if I mm. go to a new place, I I don't. And even I think I might have one Irish friend. Now I know a couple of Irish people. Sure, yeah, You're but there, I suppose. Why? Why would I? Like, I just don't understand why you would move to another country and live the life you're living at home. Yeah. 
like I, I saw it a couple of years ago I was in, in some Irish parts of New York and there's guys living there illegally wearing their GAA jerseys going to the local Irish pub watching the GAA in any city in Ireland yeah. you could be you yeah. could be at home why are you over there living illegally not like living this life that's kind of dodgy yeah. Only hanging out with Irish people, doing the exact same thing that you're. Why would you do that? Yeah. That's not what. Yeah, but, yeah. But look, each to their own, of course. But I don't understand that. Yeah. So no, I didn't. I didn't see out other Irish people at all. And uh, luckily, in my class, there was a guy from Leeds. He was similar age, maybe a little bit older. And I remember clinging to him right after the induction. They went around the room and made us introduce ourselves. My name's Tony. I'm from a place called Waterford in Ireland. I'm here doing this and blah 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 blah. I remember hearing his accent, Yorkshire kind of accent. Mm. I went, okay, we can be pals. Mm. So I went over to him and I said, uh, I don't know what I said to him, something like, uh, something basically like, we should be friends. And he agreed. And we went out that night and um, we just hit it off. And we mm. kind of looked after each other at the start. Mm. And then another guy from Scotland joined us, a guy called Will, who I'm friends with to this day, who has come here like and stuff like that to my parents' house and spent time here. And we talk almost every day. He's mm. become like a lifelong friend. So the course then, how long how long did you spend in the, in the, the acting college? So uh, I actually studied screenwriting. Sorry. But no, yeah. but I, I did do acting yeah. as a kind of a minor subject. Yeah. But I, I, my thought was, I always knew I wanted to be in front of the camera. But I thought that so many people are going to be just actors. If I can write for myself, mm. that'll give me an extra edge over everybody else. So if I can write my own material, I'll at least be able to you create have control as well. I suppose you have control, but you can create your own yeah. work. I always think of uh, Sylvester Stallone yeah. and Rocky. I yeah. know it's, people, but he was similar, wasn't he? He was, he was a writer and he had a control, total control of the whole Rocky franchise. His story is amazing. It's one of the stories they told us when we started. Yeah, quite there. inspiring, I would imagine. It's ama- like, I like think, Rocky himself. Of course, I used to think that yeah. Stallone was just this action guy, and you know, he's yeah. a ham actor. He is so inspired. If you know Sylvester Stallone's story, he lived in the Port Authority bus station. He had no money. He got offered something like $100,000 at the time for the script to Rocky, but he wasn't going to play Rocky. Mm. And he said no, because mm. he wanted to play him and held on to the script. Like, he's homeless. Tough, tough to do. Homeless and turned, like, just, yeah. surely you just say, I'd sell the script, I'll write another one. But no, he did. He had to sell his dog. Yeah. He, he had this dog that he lived in Port Authority with sold the dog and then eventually got someone who believed in him and the script sold the script starred as Rocky and the first thing he did when he got the check was buy the dog back <laughs> yeah, I remember reading that actually yeah. that you mentioned yeah. what a and the rest is, is, is history yeah. um, what drives you <gasps> sorry I just kicked the dog down sorry. <laughs> give me a little rub and what sandwich. drives me <laughs> yeah. what um, drives you on ambition mm. I think I just have this overwhelming sense of ambition every single day that I wake up mm. Um, now there's days that I wake up and I go I should be further along why and and then you start creeping in but why aren't I getting a certain opportunity but that's but then the days where I, ha- I am having opportunities that other people wish they had I don't think like that mm. so then I have to think, tell myself you're doing okay don't be getting on to yourself and that's the ambition takes over again and I think like I, I couldn't say like somebody drives me on or you know and um, being inspired by somebody else it doesn't it's my own ambition own drive that drives me yeah. forward so I mean you come 10 years on from the day of the quilt and the pillow yeah so I, I presume that you're slightly a bit more when it comes to living accommodation in America it's a bit a little bit better than that now um, so what, what's 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 the the day to day routine for Tony Kelly what, what are you at these days um, at the moment I just finished up my, I did a radio series for the first time mm. um, BIO radio Series uh, that I wrote and I voiced and I directed and, and which was which was great. 
Um, at the moment, I have one or two things in the in the pipeline. I um, I'd like to go back doing some more stand up because that was my that was my primary thing that yeah. I that I did originally, and what I became known for first was as a comedian. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would still say, "Oh, Tony Kelly, the comedian," mm. before they say Tony Kelly, the actor. Which it's whatever. Funny enough, I see you as the actor before the comedian. Yeah, well, that's and yeah, I yeah. I do appreciate that. But I remember yeah. I did a movie called Writing Home two years ago. Yeah. And uh, I was the lead in that, and I mean, for an actor to be a lead in a in a movie is your ultimate goal. Yeah. And I was so honoured to be cast, and so honoured to be asked to do it and picked, and you know, to like I'm in every scene of that movie. You know, it really was a uh, such an honour. But when they were promoting it, when they announced it, when they when it was premiering at Galway, it was always um, the movie stars comedian Tony Kelly yeah. and actors. So, and I was like, well, I'm an actor as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it, I think it's only comedians that get that little hump on their back because yeah. they were almost like the outcasts of the art world. Ricky Gervais, you mentioned him. Yeah. I see him as a comedian rather than an actor. Exactly. Although he probably is the other way around. And he's a writer-director yeah. as well, you know? Yeah. But I think it's like, it's a little, we're, like, we're almost like the subsection of the performance art world where it's like, oh, the comedians, they're the, the the tormented ones and they're the you know secret depressives and the, yeah, you know yeah. and I, but I think maybe it was I think they were using it maybe as a selling point or oh, this is as a comedian it must be funny but yeah. I took it personally but that's the sensitive comedian in me probably yeah yeah, yeah. um I have but um I, as for what I'm working on at the moment I have a, a series in development with um it's a non scripted series I've never done something like that before and it's uh, I suppose like a docu series but not, it used to be called I, I, the best way to describe it is kind of like an idiot abroad that type of a series mm. which is a docu-series that follows me and my weird diet that I have because I eat like a 10 year old <laughs> and uh, I can't really say that much about it because yeah. uh, the production company that made it are in talks with a certain station Great. and uh, they're furthering along and uh, I'm I'm I'm, more, I'm operating uh, operating under the no news is good news fund yeah. at the moment. I suppose you you uh, as an actor or as a comedian as a stand-up comic whatever you're kind of you're living on your wits. You're are you you're, you're kind of you're going from one hopeful series or hope the possible series to another. You know, but is are you making a living, a good living? Sometimes I am. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the that's truth. It, you know, you know yeah. the truth is. I mean, it must be a very insecure business. Uh, it is. You, know. uh, you have to be very clever with what you do with your money. I've, I'm lucky to have such amazing support from my family. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it it like every I think once you're what I always find is when you're working on a job it's the best thing in the world especially when it's something big and you know yeah, and you never worse, think yeah. about well I don't anyway and there, there always comes this moment in that job where you go wow when this is finished I need to get the next one hmm. you know and um like I'm, I'm constantly auditioning obviously like yeah, I was just going to say that you must, there must be loads of different things that you're keeping your you, you've applied for yeah. auditioned for and each of them are at different levels and, and different time spans. So you're, when you finish one job, okay, what about that other one that yeah. I apply for? What's happening with that? And I know you have an agent. Yeah. Uh, any, I suppose anybody in your business would need one. Mm -hmm. um, and how, how did they work out for you? I mean, you know, how do you... Uh, and I, but it, What I'm trying to do here, Tony, is kind of give people an idea of, of oh, your yeah. world. Uh, everybody sees the people on screen yeah. are they on stage but behind all of that yeah. your agent works on your behalf she does um, she does now I still I don't like to rest on that laurel I still try and seek out my own stuff mm. as well um, but my agent Lorraine she's I mean she's she's great like she's um, she represents me I suppose as an actor as a writer and as a presenter like a host because mm. I do a lot of that through, through my comedy work I've, I've kind of 
siphoned off into presenting work and, and hosting and emceeing and stuff yeah. like that as yeah. well yeah. Uh, it's a natural progression I, I started as an MC in Gotham Comedy Club in, in New York as emceeing a lot of the shows there mm. you know learning my craft as a comedian introducing the other comedians stuff yeah. like that yeah. um, so um, one of the like one of the things for example with horror is I've just written um, a feature film um, based on my web series called The Hurler if anyone has seen that that's something I would have been known for as well right. tell people where they can see that immediately just what you, uh, had, what you, what you mentioned it. I think it's youtube.com forward slash The Hurler show but if yeah. you just put The Hurler into YouTube all the episodes uh, are it's there. worth seeing especially if you're an Irish person but if you're a person outside of the country <laughs> it might seem a bit alien well, but at the same time it, it probably uh, travels well it does because it's funny because it was a big success here at the start but it was from the awards I won for in America Right. And and the Americans really get it. I don't know why. I think it's the character. Yeah. They don't th- see. I don't play hurling. I'm not a hurler. Yeah. I just I really like the sport, but I'm so intrigued with the world of hurling. Yeah, yeah. And that's more about it's about it's about the character. It's not about the sport. So I think that's why Americans and, and stuff like it. Mm. Um. And we did an episode in America. We went to New York and did an episode over there. And that's kind of what the the feature film explores more. Um. So that's something I've been I've been trying to work on getting that over the line the last year and a half so that's another that's another thing about it that people don't speak i think people see like when he wrote a script and they made a film i've been i've been through so many different production companies so many different directors since february of last year trying to make this happen getting it over the line and that's something that uh, my agent would help on as well is trying to attach people to to this film and, and get it there get it where it needs to get now where every Every couple of weeks, it's getting closer and closer. But when I say baby steps, I mean the babiest of steps to get there. But again, with going back to, to, to the horror, obviously I'm talking about the film version of it. That was something that um, I came home from America after my visa had expired at the end of 2012, start of 2013. I had nothing to do. Didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Uh, I'd heard this web series talk in America. Nobody was doing them over here. And I said, well, I'm going to do one and uh, made the horror myself wrote it myself there was a guy here uh, who I knew who had a camera and a microphone I said do you want to make this series let's do it and just got some actors locally mm-hmm. local actors that I knew here to do amateur drama and stuff like that and asked them would they like to be in a series yeah. and uh, it just you know I, I got cast in writing home that movie because of the horror mm-hmm. the executive producer of that saw the horror and just went because the character on on the surface is so unlikable. Yeah. Like how how do I care about this character who's on the surface such an an asshole? Mm. And I he, this guy makes me care about him. So the writing home is pretty much a similar story. There's this guy who's not a nice guy mm. on the surface, but we find out why he's not such a nice guy, and then we end up rooting for him anyway. Which is and yeah. that's the reason why I got cast. And it was all because I created my own work. It's like everything else, I suppose. One thing leads to another. Yeah. The networking situation, and no matter how good or bad or otherwise you think a piece may be, it might just click with somebody. And I often think of Mrs. Brown's boys. Yeah. Uh, not my favourite, no. I have to say. But, you <laughs> know, listen, there's no accounting for taste. Th- no, there's no accounting for taste, but there's also no accounting for success. It's, yeah. it's so, it's, so, so successful. It's, it's unreal, isn't it? You know, so you know. I, I try not to concern myself with... Uh, yeah, well, that that that's useless and that's on the telly and it, but it's not, and it's and it does, and it's no concern to me if it is or it isn't. Mm. It's on the TV. It's getting successful. And by the way, it's opening up doors in the UK for Irish talent. Yeah, you know that be, has to be a good thing. But that is a good thing because yeah. if you went to the BBC before that, and was like, well, I have this idea for an Irish sitcom. 
uh, well, you know, there hasn't been another sitcom since Father Ted, and that was on Channel 4. Mm. You know, whereas now, I know Jason Bourne got a sitcom at BBC because of it. I know The Young Offenders yeah. teamed up with BBC because of it. So they're starting to pay a lot more attention. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Are you... Um are you happy with where you are in your career at the moment? Or no, no. How could I be? Mm. If I was happy with where I am in my career at the moment, I'd be standing still. I have mm. to not be happy. Even if I was further along, I don't think I could be happy. <laughs> it's if, a continuous circle, exactly. I guess. You yeah, have to. Yeah, like yeah. I think, if you're happy, you're resting on your laurels. Yes. Now that's probably a, a little bit of a toxic mindset as well, because it's maybe you know not allowing myself to be happy. But um, I suppose it's the difference between having a successful series like the Harder and an exceptionally successful series, say, Friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you get to that stage, well, then you can probably sit well, back maybe. a little bit. But if, even then... Well, I don't, I don't, I'd like to think that I'd still push myself on, but I mean, if you've got tens or hundreds of millions, like mm. Seinfeld, for example, yeah. billions, then, I mean, I'm probably going to be very happy. because yeah. you know, But it's about bodies of work. It's not about money, really, yeah. either. Like, yeah. You've got to keep going. You've got to yeah. keep working all the time. Like I've spent 10 years building up a body of work that I can be proud of and that I can go to people and say, and you know, well, this is my body of work. This is what I've done. And it's, you know, and that now speaks for itself, which is starting to happen for me, you know. Mm. And, and it's the reason why, again, I got cast in the movie. It's the reason why uh, I got seen for a, a big series this week. It's, that's why I got seen for that series. Great. It's... It's because I've built up about it. It's taken ten years, but I remember one of the first bits of advice I got off a off a lecturer in college was, um, "It's easy to be an overnight success. It only takes ten years of hard work." Mm. And that but ten years is nothing no. really, in the no. overall scheme of things. No, what you're still in your thirties? Thirty three, I am. Yeah, you know, get this young. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> not starting to not feel it, yeah. but no, I agree with you. And for me, it's always been about. But being able to live, obviously, but it's always been about trying to build up a body of work. I've, you know, it's not about I'm doing this because I want to make money from it or make millions from it. That's not what it's about. Like, I think if that's no, I think if you're in it for that, you might as well give up. Now. Yeah, that's. And I, I would say the same to bands. If you're in it for just the, the the women and the money, you forget it. Yeah, you know, they come as a byproduct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to be a musician in a previous life. I get that. As well. um, but yeah, you know what I mean. I think a lot of people go into something like that uh, all starry eyed. And thinking yeah. they're going to be a, a huge success by the end of the week. Yeah, I, I see that in then comedy. reality don't. I see that in stand-up more so than than the other stuff. Yeah. Um, like, I, anytime, I, I tend not to do a lot, of, a lot of stand-up in Ireland. I don't know what it is. I Just the scene here has never appealed to me that much. Maybe it's because I started in New York and came mm. here and the way it works isn't the way I know it to work. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, but I always see, anytime I do something here, there's always a new guy who's doing it six months, yeah. knows more than you know. Yeah. You know, and it's like I don't know what that that irks me because I was never that guy. Mm. You know, but again, well, I think, maybe you were to somebody else. Maybe, maybe, you don't know if, maybe. You know. But I you see, I I was brought into to comedy by a guy called Stephen Rosenfield, who's an old Jewish comedian comedy teacher, and I got taught that New York style of comedy, that old Jewish style of comedy, like you know that came from Lenny Bruce and all these sarcasm guys. yeah, yeah and, and ju- no but just like respect for the business as yeah. well you know I remember him um, sitting a load of us down and when we were we were doing stand up and he was trying to get us into acting which is obviously what I ended up doing I remember him saying like don't let me catch any of ye referring to yourselves as an actor unless you're out there auditioning every week pounding the stones like other actors are doing actors and actors not a label to put on yourself to sound to make mm. yourself sound cool or whatever be out there hustling getting your headshots out there looking for work auditioning 
and getting rejected. That's an actor, not because you took a class. And he said the same goes for a comedian. I don't want any putting comedian on your CV or on your Twitter bios or anything like that because it makes you sound cool. Mm. Unless you're out there doing open mics, again, pounding the pavements, putting on shows, getting rejected, bombing, being up on stage and no one laughing at you. That's a comedian, not because you wrote a few jokes, did stand-up once or twice. Mm. You know, and, and that advice on both of those ends always stood with me. Sounds solid enough to me. Yeah, you know, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely, because you have to put in the work to get back the 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 rewards. And for me, nowadays people don't seem to want to do that they seem to want to decide oh I'm a comedian now mm. you know and I've had I'm, look I've had a couple of people not necessarily here but in different places come up to me and go oh I'm a comedian and I'd be like alright oh, where, where have you performed oh my friend has a show in a barn and uh, I performed at it last week alright you've done one, one show yeah I'm a comedian yeah. you know and I'm yeah, like yeah. Oh, that kind of irks me I've, I've been over all over the world for 10 years yeah. doing what I'm doing and getting up there and again you know, you have to start out bombing, going up on stage, trying to do jokes. Nobody gets it. You're trying to find your voice, trying to find who you are, trying to find who your performance character is. You know, and like that's that's the stuff that puts in. You know, you put in that kind of stuff. Work. If um, you could give your 17 year old self advice now, at the age you're at now, what would you say to him? Uh, don't start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, um, I think maybe give yourself a break yeah. would be, and but that would be the advice I give my thirty-three year old self as well. well yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm my own worst critic and probably my own worst. Well, maybe not my own worst enemy anymore. I think I've learned how to control that side of myself. Mm. But definitely give yourself a break. But but again, it's the same advice I give myself today, and I I don't seem to be able to learn it. I'm so hard on myself, right? But you're still loving it, though. I do. I I love it because. How could I not? You know, it's it, it's I, what you want to it's do. It's what yeah. I want to do, and I do really believe it's what I'm here to do. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's very frustrating days and times, and you know, there's 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 things I, I feel like I should be doing that I'm not doing, yeah. and opportunities I feel like I want that I don't have yet. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'll say it to you exactly. You know, Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you. There's okay. loads more I'm sure we didn't touch on. Uh, that just didn't come to my head at the moment we'll do it again and um, well here's to the future I mean it's easy to say uh, well you know we'll come back to you when you're a big star because nobody knows what's going to happen down the line but uh, you you seem to be quite content with what you're at and and, well content to a point anyway you know but uh, driving you on uh, is yourself and and your own boss I suppose at this stage you know and thanks for your time. When are you off Thank back you to right. America? Um, I'm actually in the process of applying for my, my visa at the moment, which has taken a whole, God, yeah. six or seven months, and it'll take probably another six months. <laughs> uh, I'll probably visit during the summer, just because yeah. I miss my friends and stuff like that. Yeah. And, but um, you can't work there. Unless no, I can't, there. unfortunately, but I um, that doesn't look, that. hopefully that'll all come. Uh, but I have enough here at the moment to keep me keep me occupied and keep me ticking over. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously, as I said, yeah, that series, Please God, and, and the movie. I'm, um, I have a new play coming out next year. Great. That I wrote with uh, Pat Daly and Michael Power, two Water for Talents as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's, you know, I'm, I'm very happy and very content at the moment, but also very looking forward to the future. Itchy feet as well. And, uh, yeah. Always. It's been great. I'm glad we got an opportunity to sit down and have a chat because we've been trying to arrange this for a little while and various things got in the way and all the rest. But uh, look forward to the, to the next chat when the next level of the, of the careers for kicks sure. in. And thanks for having me, Roddy. I really appreciate it. Not a bother. Um, it's great to be back home because when you're in America, everybody says, oh my God, Tony Ireland's so beautiful. 
you've got to miss Ireland so much, I would love to go to Ireland. Because they think we all live together in Bonratty Castle. <laughs> with this big romanticized country. Whereas the reality is, three for a tenner in the exchange. <laughs> You might see a fight on the cobbles if you're lucky. <laughs> and in for an abracadabra where some drunk fella goes, You were, boy. <laughs> Are you round, you were? <laughs> I, uh, I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was I. <laughs> where, where were you? <laughs> I was uh, crossing the foundry. Yeah, many in there. <laughs> Not really, no. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, this town has gone to the dogs. <laughs> I'll tell you something, lads. I've been going out 10 years this year. It's my 10th anniversary of going out in Waterford. And the town has been going to the dogs since then. <laughs> I, remember the t I remember we had Jeffs, we had The Stand, we had everywhere. The Rogue, Rubies, Oxygen. Everywhere I was packed every week. And fellas are still going, this town has gone to the fucking dogs. <laughs> Thomas Francis Marrow came back with the tricolor in the 14th century. He was going to do a speech down on Baron Strand Street and one of them said, I wouldn't bother Tommy by this place down to the fucking dogs. <laughs> we speak our own language here, we really do. They're in Cork, they have different words for things, Dublin, different words. We have our own language, right? If you're walking down the road right, with your friend, you see someone, you know, you go, huh? Look at him. <laughs> You've said look correctly the first time and I've gone back to Luh. I would suggest you to go look at him Luh, or look at him look. Easier. Another one that I, that I love is, um, is that you get it down in town all the time and um, especially if like me I come home for different weeks and then head off again. And people will always come up to me, and no matter who it is, you might have 100 friends in common with this person. But you'll come up to me and they go, well, any song to the other? 